Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Daydream and Listen podcast. My name is Krista. I hope that you guys are all doing excellent and that you're having a wonderful day. I am doing pretty great myself. Um, oh, okay. Oh, sorry. I just looked out my window and it is like torrential downpouring. Um, so that's cool. Um, yeah, aside from the random burst of rain, I'm having a really great day. I just got back from a birthday party for my sister's dog and her boyfriend. Um, coincidentally, both of their birthdays are very close to one another, and so we were hanging out at her boyfriend's place with his family, my family, and some friends, and it was really nice. Aside from the fact that my sister's dog got a little too excited, um, because there were other dogs present at his birthday party, and he proceeded to pee on the couch twice. So, um, yeah, it was funny, but also very frustrating at the same time. Um, but aside from that, you know, it's been a great day. And I'm really, really excited to get into this week's podcast episode because as you can tell by the title, I'm going to be doing another installment. This is actually my third installment of my series, Analyzing Aesthetics. And if you're new to the podcast or if this is your first time listening to one of these episodes, they're basically where I choose a trending aesthetic or one that was popular from sometime in the past and I analyze its importance and its popularity in terms of fashion and lifestyle. So for this one, I'm going to be analyzing the ballet core aesthetic. Now, this is an aesthetic that I'm personally very on board with as someone who used to take ballet, and I also took a course in college that was all about the history of dance and its relevance in culture. And we did a few units talking about like the history of ballet and like the different types of ballet and just how it's overall influenced our modern day culture. So I'm really, really looking forward to diving into this topic. But before we do that, let's first discuss the highs and the lows of this past week in my life. Okay, I truly do not know what's going on um, outside. The sky is like this eerie yellow. It's very creepy. I can't remember. I think it's if the sky turns green, then that means like you should be wary of tornadoes. But when it's yellow, I don't really know what's going on because it's about like 6 p.m. and... I don't know, normally the sun is setting at this point, so I don't know what's happening. But anyways, um, yes, my high of the week would be walking outside. We've had some pretty great weather again this week, so I've gotten some more walks in outside. And also, my other high of the week was the Euphoria finale. I finally got around to watching it, and it was it was pretty great in my opinion. I mean... I was definitely expecting them to leave out a ton of different narratives and just, you know, leave us, leave us, uh, what's the term I'm looking for? With cliffhangers. Just because, like, there are so many storylines in that show that I knew it was nearly impossible to wrap all of them up or to even address all of the storylines in one hour. But nevertheless, I watched it. I thought it was great. Um, I really, really love Lexi. 
and I'm so happy that she was a major part in this second season and I'm really excited for the next one to come out except for the fact that it is not scheduled to come out until 2024 which I've seen people make fun of it on TikTok that they're going to be like pregnant with their children by the time the show comes out because it's like, oh my god, like, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like most shows have like at least four, maybe five seasons and if it takes Euphoria two years for every season, like, I might have kids in high school by the time the show is fully wrapped, which would just be crazy. Um, but yeah, so the show was great. If you watched it, curious to know what you think of it, but, you know, I really liked it. And then for my lows of the week, um, for whatever reason, I don't know if anyone else has experienced this, but every now and then when I do my laundry, I've gotten these weird, almost like bleach-like stains on my clothes, and they're like these rusty yellow orange colors and they're so annoying I have no clue where they come from and they just stain my clothes like I take my clothes out of the laundry basket or I take them out of the washer or the dryer and there's just like these random blotches on my clothes and I'm very disappointed because I got this new green workout set and I threw it in the wash and then as I was putting it in the wash, there were these weird stains on it. And I'm like, what in the world? Now, I've had like other clothes have these stains on them before. So it's not like it's like a food stain or dirt or something like that. It's so weird. It looks like part of the clothes were bleached, even though I'm like, what would I have in my hamper that would have bleach on it? So not sure if anyone else has dealt with that, but it's really a pain. So I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to try to look up some like laundry tip videos or ask my mom because I don't know how to remove the stains. And you know, if the stains won't come out, it's fine because I just work out in these clothes and you know, it's not like I go to like a public gym where tons of people are going to be looking at me. Like I don't really care. They function fine, but it's just really frustrating. I'm like, if only I knew the culprit of these problems, I would do something about it. But it's just like this mysterious stain that pops up. So maybe I need to get a new hamper or re-examine how I'm doing my laundry. Because I thought I was doing it right, but I don't know. Um, and then my other low of the week, pretty... Um, it, it's not super substantial, but... I did forget to buy two things at the grocery store this past week and I, well, I did my grocery shopping today and I forgot two things that I'm needing for the week ahead. So that, I don't know why, like it just bummed me out because now I have to go back and get them because both of the ingredients are needed for a recipe that I'm making, so that kind of sucks. Um, if you're curious to know what I'm making, I am trying to recreate the popular Erewhon smoothie that has been going around. I don't know if you guys have seen this on TikTok um, or, you know, if you have heard of Erewhon. It basically is like the most expensive, fanciest grocery store ever. And I'm pretty sure they're only in LA. Um, but 
they have partnered with Mariana Hewitt, who is the founder of Sunday Riley, the skincare brand. And I guess she's like a frequent shopper at Erewhon and they collabed to make this smoothie. And I think it's called like the Coconut Bliss smoothie. It has a lot of like coconut things in it. And it requires almond butter and I totally forgot to get almond butter at the store. So I'm going to have to go back because I don't think this smoothie is going to be as good as I want it to be without adding the almond butter. And then I forgot something else that I need for another recipe. So yeah, I don't know. I just, I hate like when you go out and then you forget something and then you have to go back out again. I don't know. There's bigger problems in the world. I know I probably sound ridiculous, but it just kind of put a damper on my day. Um, anyways, those were my highs and my lows of the week. Now let's get into this topic of analyzing the ballet core aesthetic. The ballet core aesthetic is definitely one that heavily relies on the fashion, but there are a few important lifestyle elements to the aesthetic. So this aesthetic has definitely grown in popularity over the past few months with the help of TikTok and Pinterest. I don't know if you guys have been seeing a lot of these types of ballet core videos on your for you page or I don't know if you look at different aesthetics on Pinterest but I've definitely been getting a lot of ballet core content and many fashion editorials and trend forecasting resources are saying that this aesthetic is set to take over 2022. It's bound to be one of the biggest most prominent aesthetics of the year which I think is really, really interesting. Um, and I feel like this type of aesthetic is channeling like the off-duty, somewhat on-duty version of a ballerina. And I feel like through the, the aesthetic, there's elements of like escapism or like you're pretending as if you're like a ballerina getting ready to go to practice or getting ready to perform. So it's kind of cool. It's like you're dressing up, but the clothing items are very functional. And I feel like alongside like the sort of escapism of dressing in the ballet core aesthetic, um, the fashion items that are commonly associated with ballet are now being met with like a street style version. So basically, it's like, think of all of the things you know from like ballet attire and that meets street style wear. So by combining both of the street style and the ballet elements together, we sort of get like this new version of athleisure going on where I feel like before athleisure was all about um, you know, taking certain elements of athletic clothes, like wearing matching sets, but then throwing like a cute pair of shoes or like a trench coat or, you know, a cool baseball cap or something like that over top of it. And now there's all of these like hyper feminine ballet inspired elements that are getting incorporated into the athleisure feel. So I'm really excited about it because I think, you know, as a former ballerina, it's super cool to see elements of ballet get like reimagined and 
put into like mainstream street style fashion. I think it's all really, really cool. And I think one thing that's really interesting about ballet now taking over athleisure or definitely like having an impact on athleisure is that the ballet core has the same comfort and like relaxed feel as normal athleisure, but it's definitely more glamorized. Like it has a prettier, more elegant look to it, if you know what I mean. But it just, it feels just as comfortable as like you wearing like an aloe yoga set, but instead you're wearing like a little wrap skirt um, or you're wearing like a leotard or a shrug or a shawl or something like that. So speaking of the fashion of this aesthetic, um, let's talk about some of the items that mostly comprise the ballet core look. So definitely leotards, and one thing that I really, really like is if the leotards have lots of details on the shoulder blades. I have a few leotards still from when I did ballet um, growing up because, I mean, like, they're clean, they're in great condition, and I just loved the ones that always had the really pretty detailing on, like, the shoulder straps or on... Um, the shoulder blades. So I would love to see more like that because I just think the attention to detail and this sort of like effortless glamorous look is really beautiful. So yeah, lots of leotards. Um, wrap sweaters. So think of like if you have like a nice cozy sweater but it wraps across the waist um, where like one side goes over, like crosses over to the other side of your body and there will usually be like a little bow tie or like a little ribbon securing the wrap. Also turtlenecks are really big. This aesthetic is great for winter and spring seasons because if you think about like um, ballet houses or like ballet companies like ones in New York, Paris, Russia, all over the country, those particular areas are usually a lot colder or I'm sorry not all over the country all over the world those areas are usually a lot colder so you're going to be seeing a lot of like sweaters and turtlenecks and things like that um but I definitely can see these sort of things being integrated into like the spring and summer seasons as well so even like I have a turtleneck where it is sleeveless but the neck is still high so I think if you want to like continue wearing certain elements of um this aesthetic during the warmer months but you're like I don't want to be sweating in my little wrap sweater during spring and summer how do I update it there's definitely ways, like, if you can find a sleeveless version of something, um, or, you know, maybe you wear a wrap sweater and a wrap skirt, but no tights underneath, you know, things like that where there's less layering going on. Um, another thing is shrugs, which I think these are perfect for spring and summer. And shrugs, I feel like I haven't worn one since I was in like elementary school. And I remember so many girls had to have shrugs because if you wore something that was a tank top or spaghetti straps at school, you had to have something covering it because, you know, you can't show off shoulders for whatever reason. 
but ballerinas will often wear shrugs again to just like add some warmth if they're wearing a leotard and their shoulders are exposed um so you know something like that you could wear during the spring and summertime i've actually seen some people style um strapless tops or like a strapless corset with a shrug over top and i think it's a beautiful combination so i think that one be, would be really fun to wear during the warmer weather months also flared leggings which um not trying to be like that old annoying person but back in my day, they were called yoga pants, and I actually just bought a pair from Victoria's Secret because I've been wanting to get my hands on flared leggings for so long because I used to wear them all the time in middle school and even some parts of high school, and I was like, I just want these again because I feel like they can be pretty versatile, like you can wear them in a very casual way but I've also seen people dress them up into a more like formal, formal way, something that's a little bit cuter. You can glamorize it a little bit more, but you're, you're still very comfortable, which I'm all about. And then wrap skirts, like I said earlier, I just, well, actually not just, maybe a couple months ago, I got a wrap skirt and I'm so excited to wear it. I've been waiting to wear it because it's been pretty cold and I haven't been wanting to wear tights with it but I feel like now that it's starting to get slightly warmer I might be able to get I'm sorry I might be able to get away with wearing it I really like wrap skirts I think I think that they're super beautiful but there is a part of me that gets very nervous like what if the wrap like the tie part comes undone so one thing that I found that you can do to be like extra extra safe is taking a safety pin and pinning it right at your waist to make sure that the wrap stays secure whenever you're out and about um, also bow details and accessories are super big with this aesthetic now <laughs> this is where I feel like my child childhood me is thriving. I loved bows. I went through a very, very big bow phase in my, I would say like late elementary school, middle school life, even some parts of high school, like just some parts. I loved bows and I still have majority of the bows that I've purchased. I even learned how to make bows and I sold them when I was in eighth grade, I want to say. Look at me. I was such an entrepreneur back then. Um, but yeah, I love bow, bow details and people tying bows in their hair and things like that. They're definitely much more simplistic. Like I feel like bows had a moment when I was in dance and people would just have like outrageous bows. And even if you were a cheerleader, I know cheer bows are a very big part of cheerleading. Um, there were girls in my school who cheered and they always had these massive cheer bows, but I feel like the bows that are associated with the ballet core aesthetic are just very sim simple ribbon, like satin, silky ribbon, so, you know, less is more in this sense, I guess. And then last, but certainly, certainly not least, are ballet flats. Now, before all of the tall individuals freak out 
I know how much you guys hate ballet flats, even people who are shorter, I know how much you hate ballet flats because a lot of people just think that they're not flattering and they don't really do anything for your feet. I used to wear ballet flats all the time. I've always thought they were pretty comfortable and now we're getting a new version of them. This is sort of like the street style version of them is that they are much more platformed, which I think is super cool. Um, and I cannot wait to see more brands have platformed ballet flats because I can definitely get behind those. As someone who's five feet tall, I'm all for getting some more height in my footwear. So I think that's really interesting that it seems like the new approach to shoes that were once popular is to now add a thicker sole um, or a platform to them. So we're seeing that with the ballet flat. Um, and I think that's going to be a very trendy shoe for the upcoming season. So I'm very curious to see how brands interpret it. Um, but yeah, it'll be definitely very interesting. And then in terms of like patterns or like motifs that you would see with this aesthetic, they're definitely very dainty and minimal. You might see like um, a dainty floral motif um, or just something that's really delicate and small, maybe like little bows or teddy bears or hearts or something like that. Everything is just very, very minimal. And the color palette of this aesthetic is quite simple as well. There are a lot of baby pinks, pastel purples, grays, cream, and black, of course. Um, so when it comes to the fashion of the ballet aesthetic, everything is quite simple. I know I've been saying this, but just to reiterate, it's all very quite simple. So, you know, people will likely not be wearing like puffy tutus as their main approach to ballet core. I think when people first hear that like, oh, there's this ballet aesthetic that's becoming super trendy, they might think that people are going to be wearing tool puffy tutus everywhere, but that's not necessarily the case. There might be some tool fabrics incorporated into their clothing, but just know that um, everything has a much more like laid back approach to it. So now I want to get into the history of this because I think it's important to understand how impactful ballet has been in fashion and ballet has been in culture. Um, it's quite interesting. Ballet and fashion have sort of gone hand in hand and have inspired one another um, for quite a while. So in the past, there have been some designers like Yves Saint Laurent, Misha Prada, Vivian Westwood, and so many more that have actually contributed to the design of many ballet costumes for prestigious ballet companies, which I think is really, really cool. Um, costuming in ballet, in any type of like theatrical production is insane. I mean, if you have ever seen any type of theater costume or like performance costume up close and personal, it is astounding how much detail and just craftsmanship goes into the construction of these garments. It's truly incredible. So it's really neat that a lot of designers have actually um, gone and done work to 
create and design some of these um, ballet costumes. I think that's super cool. And if we want to go even further back into the history of ballet, um, ballet, like I said, has always been a massive inspiration for fashion. And it was around the time of the 20th century that fashion and ballet began inspiring one another. So it's been around for quite a while, but like it's not um, as old as you might think it's been. Because ballet has been popular for centuries, but it wasn't until the 20th century that fashion really um, started to make an impact on ballet. So it was during the 20th century that ballet began to become a respected art form. Before that, it was um, kind of looked down upon and just not really taken seriously. And once it was deemed respectable, fashion designers began to take inspiration from the elegance that is, you know, all-encompassing in ballet. And it was Russian art critic Sergei uh, Diagliev? I don't, I don't think I said that correctly. Um, he was, uh, restaging the production of The Sleeping Beauty in 1921, and that production was a major turning point in fashion's relationship with ballet. Like, the costumes for that production were very inspiring to a lot of designers, which I think is really, really, really cool. The fact that one person's ballet production could inspire so many designers on future collections. And the archetypal image of the ballerina that we know today actually comes from ballerina Maria Taglioni. In Maria's role of La Selfied, she wore this white fitted bodice, what we would later know as the leotard. She also wore a calf-length tulle skirt and satin pumps that laced around the calf, what we would later know as point shoes. So there were a few minor adjustments to this look, but essentially this would become the bl blueprint of modern-day ballet uniforms. And also, uh, this is a not-so-fun fact, but the origin of the name Tutu, I don't think Miss Taglioni would be that uh, pleased to know where this word originated from, um, but the tutu that she popularized, it gained its name from um, actually being derived of a vulgar slang term, cuckoo, which cuckoo means the bottom part of a dancer's body, and the patrons of like the cheaper seats at a ballet they would be able to see this part of a ballerina's body. And if you're not familiar with, like, I guess, like, history of theater or something like that, um, the cheap seats at any type of, like, theatrical production are always the ones in the front. So actually, what we know today as being, like, the most expensive seats, where you're closer to the stage back in the day, those were regarded as the cheap seats. So the people who were sitting in these positions had this, I guess, vantage point of the ballerina's body, came up with a slang term, and then that got turned into the term tutu. So just an interesting fact. Um, really disgusting, but you know, I guess it's interesting to know where these things come from. 
Um, pivoting in a more positive direction, I guess, Christian Dior, world-renowned designer, his post-war look that was called the new look, uh, that is very much ballet-inspired, and he was probably one of the most well-regarded designers to take inspiration from ballet for his garments. If you look at a lot of old Christian Dior designs, you can definitely see a lot of inspiration from ballet attire, especially a more fitted waist and a fuller skirt. A lot of his garments have this look to them. And today, designers like Molly Godard and Vivian Westwood, and even brands like Zara, have been reshaping the ballet-inspired look. I actually saw that Zara recently collaborated with, um, I want to say it was the New York Ballet, I want to say. Um, they collaborated with them to have a ballet collection, and if you look at a lot of Molly Godart's design, she uses so much tulle and layering in her garments, and there's definitely like a lot of glamorous ballet-inspired looks, but I think she takes an entirely new approach to it. So if you haven't seen a lot of Molly Godart's work, I definitely recommend because it's really quite beautiful. Okay, and then I lastly want to talk about... Um, there are like some problematic elements to the ballet aesthetic that I do want to address because we can't talk about the good without addressing the bad. Now, for the most part, I've seen a lot of people taking this aesthetic at face value. You know, people purchasing the fashion that belongs to ballet core, even people taking ballet classes, people who are adults taking ballet classes, which I love and I think that is like the coolest thing ever. And I think, I don't know, ballet studios, dance studios, they should be offering like nighttime classes for people between... 18 to whatever age like any adult who wants to take ballet classes whether it's your first time or you haven't taken ballet in so many years I think it's super cool that people are doing that um but there are some elements to the aesthetic that are not the best I mean ballet in general it's an art form so it is subjective and but there are some bad sides to it. So for one, there have always been sort of unrealistic beauty standards that go along with um go along with the ballet look, whether that be um someone's figure or even the shape of people's legs and feet. If you see people who are um performing ballet on point shoes, their legs are arched in this really interesting way where like their hips are much more forward. Um, their calves are, it almost looks like they're curving under and then their toes, or I'm sorry, like their feet and their toes are all very curved. That is super, super unnatural. And ballerinas do not, um, position themselves that way because it like helps them perform better or gives them more balance or something like that. It is purely done because uh, one person or a group of people said that it was pretty, like they're doing it for the aesthetic, which is really interesting. But I've also heard from a lot of former ballerinas that 
because they like contorted themselves in this very unnatural way, they're left with a lot of health problems later on, like their joints and just the way that they stand, their posture, it's all very warped. So that's one thing that I'm like, okay, um, I don't think we consider a lot. Like, I think it's very impressive that people can dance and stand on their toes and all that kind of stuff, but it is very weird to think that people are warping their bodies in this way that is not natural at all and can actually cause them long-term damage. And then the other thing um, is trigger warning. There are a lot of um, eating disorders that can come out of, I guess, like the ballet industry. People just feeling or being pressured to be as minuscule as possible, but be able to do these mighty grand physical tasks. Um, so I think that there are probably a lot of current dancers and former dancers who have felt the pressure to, uh, adapt unhealthy eating habits or, you know, physical regimes so that they can fit a certain physical standard. And I think as of now, there really isn't enough, um, representation of all body types within ballet. I think that it's still very limited to a certain thin mold. You're thin, but somewhat muscular. Like, it's very, very contrived. It's not, I wouldn't say it's natural at all. Um, and even someone like Misty Copeland, who is truly, I think, one of the most talented ballerinas of modern times, um, she has been pretty vocal about a lot of the, um, disordered eating, like, the, the disordered, um, physical regimen that she has been put under because she just felt the pressure of people saying you need to look a certain way in order to be able to do this certain thing, um, even though, like, it requires so much muscle and, so much care to your body to be able to perform in this way because it like honestly put on a pair of point shoes and then you'll realize oh my gosh ballet is such a difficult sport it should be much more respected than I feel like it is in the current day um and that leads me to my last point is I feel like ballet still is not being regarded as serious as it should be. Um, I think there is much more respect for ballet than there probably was centuries ago um, because a lot more people are doing it. I feel like a lot of girls growing up or a lot of young boys growing up were put into a ballet class. Um, I know pretty much everyone I know took a dance class at some point in their life and I think that's great. Um, but I still do think that there's this narrative that it's just this girly hobby when in actuality it requires so much precision and, um, honestly a lot of vulnerability. You know, you're putting your body at risk and, you know, just being in this, being in that specific atmosphere, um, I feel like your body is in a very vulnerable state, if you know what I mean. Um, so yeah, I think that going forward with this ballet core aesthetic, 
I'm hoping that it encourages a lot of people who traditionally haven't felt represented by ballet to, you know, go out and do what they want to do. Um, you know, go out and participate in ballet and be the change that they want to see within this art form so that it's not just being depicted by thin white women. You know, we're seeing women, men, people of all shapes, sizes, colors participating in this aesthetic and this art form because I think it's truly beautiful and it shouldn't be kept for only certain people. So the last thing I want to say um, is if you are interested in learning more about the ballet core aesthetic and even if you're interested in getting more into it, um, I have some things that I would like to recommend. So number one, I feel like this is kind of like the prototype for a lot of people's um, love for ballet is the movie Black Swan. It's available to watch on Hulu if you stream it on there. Um, it is a very dark movie. Like, please do not go into the movie thinking it's like this beautiful ballet production. It's very dark. I would say it's a thriller. Um, but Natalie Portman stars as, um, the main character in it, and she just struggles with a lot of, like, the mental pressure that goes into ballet, and you get to see her dance, and, um, also Mila Kunis is in the movie as well. Both of them are phenomenal, um, but it is a very dark movie, so I would caution you with that but I know a lot of people have taken inspiration from Natalie Portman's looks when she is like um off-duty ballet version of her character also you can actually watch ballets um if you're interested in wanting to watch some I found a lot on YouTube um there's ones like Swan Lake, Romeo and Juliet, The Nutcracker obviously that's a very popular one um but if you just do a simple search of those different types of ballets pretty much the entire production is available on YouTube and they're all pretty good quality. So if you'd like to actually watch productions where you don't have to pay an insane amount of money or you don't have to leave your house, you can watch it from the comfort of your own home, which is really cool. Also, speaking of YouTube, Mina Lay, I'm obsessed with her YouTube channel. She does an amazing job of covering, um, you know, talking about fashion topics, talking about lifestyle topics. Her videos are wonderful and she did a video talking about the ballet core aesthetic as well. So 10 out of 10, definitely recommend checking it out because she is great at giving research and covering topics like this. And also if you're wanting to like listen to ballet music, um, there's lots of different playlists on Spotify definitely recommend those. I personally love to listen to that type of classical music when I'm doing my work. Um, it provides like a nice little soundscape, but it's also, you know, not as like distracting as someone singing an actual song with lyrics. So that's really, really great. Definitely recommend that. And if you're interested in taking ballet classes, I know I mentioned a little bit ago that there are people who are taking ballet classes um, as adults, you can actually um, follow along with different classes on YouTube. Definitely go to a class if there's one available because I think the in-person experience with an actual instructor is probably a lot more beneficial, 
but maybe you have some experience under your belt and you want to just slowly get back into it, there are some things on YouTube. You can definitely look up like ballet practice videos, ballet warm-up videos, and I found a few really great ones. They're usually about like, I'd say anywhere from like 20 minutes to even a little bit over an hour. So it's just depending on like how much time you want to devote to it. But if you're wanting to get into it, uh, if you have like a free day, a free evening, something like that, I definitely recommend checking that out. But that's pretty much everything for the ballet core aesthetic. Like I said, I'm very much so into it. Um, not saying you have to be into it just because it's what's trending, but I think it's cool to learn about different trending aesthetics, learning about the history. This one definitely has a lot of history that goes into it, and I know that there is a lot of ballet and fashion history that I did not even get to cover in this episode, but hopefully you got the gist of it and enjoyed learning about it. So yeah, I hope you guys like the episode, and if you haven't listened to the other Analyzing Aesthetic episodes, definitely check those out. I will try to keep putting out some more of those because I like, you know, doing the research and talking about current trendy aesthetics. It's always so much, so much fun. Um, so hope you guys have an incredible rest of your day and a really wonderful week ahead. And as always, thanks for listening.